আমার সোনা বাংলা আমি তোমায় ভালোবাসি মাই গোল্ডেন বেঙ্গল আই লাভ ইউ ফর এভার দাই স্কাইস দাই এয়ার সেট মাই হার্ট ইন টিউন আজ ইফ ইউ ওয়ার এ ফ্লুট ও মাদার দ্য রেম অফ দ্য ম্যাঙ্গো অর্কিড এন্ড ফালগুন ড্রাইভস মি ক্রেজি আহ ওয়ার এ থ্রিল ও মাদার ইন অর্গোহাইন টাইম সিজ সুইট স্মাইলস অল থ্রি ম্যাচুর ফিল্ডস অফ প্যাডি What beauty, what shade, what affection, what tenderness. What a quilt hast thou spread at the feet of banyan trees, and along the bank of every river. O mother mine, words when thy lips are like a nectar to my ears. Ah, what a thrill. If sadness, O mother, casts a gleam on your face, my eyes are filled with tears. From the ashes of an imperial legacy and wounds of partition, rose a country defined by thousands of streams and rivers, lush forest fertile farmland diverse flora and more so diverse fauna in 1971 the nation of bangladesh found itself independence following a bloody war and genocide a war fought not over territory political manifestos or hatred but rather a struggle defined by a wish a wish to be bengali student uprisings and mass protests over the wish to speak the mother tongue bengali freely amongst the population Without Pakistani indoctrination or cultural brainwashing took the then East Pakistan by storm. Revolutionaries guided the nation through fire and from the flames rose independent Bangladesh. Amar Shah Bangla, my golden Bengal. I come from a family of Silates, Silat being a region in northeastern Bangladesh. A sprawling developing metropolis is the jewels surrounded by lush forest, endless streams and hills, studded with gardens of tea leaves. This is what I call a home even though I was born in Britain because it is amongst countless lakes dirt roads and rice paddies I've had my cultural identity forged and written I grew up between the UK and Bangladesh obviously I was born in the UK but my family made a very very strong point about visiting Bangladesh frequently and for significant periods of times when I was young we would stay there for 6 months at a time and as i started school it would be over the summer when we go on summer holidays and gradually that gap grew and grew so at the start of my childhood i would go there a lot and then towards the end of it it was about every 2 years or so and i stayed around every 2 years until um now what i remember most about my early times going to bangladesh was you know the the sensations the physical feelings your senses being overwhelmed by coming off that plane after a long travel and being in a completely different environment you know it's that heat the humidity the fauna mosquitoes there were these red centipede like creatures or rather millipedes in my uh, bari which is an ancestral home on your father's side and they would kind of curl up if you went near them and they would freak me out or right i've always been scared of bugs so child me was even more scared of bugs Um I remember one time we came and we came onto the property for the first time after the flight long flight you know 10 hour flight multiple hours in transit I was exhausted and what do I do when I get off I get chased by a swan and my cousin picked me up and put me on a bicycle and we cycled away away from that swan whilst everyone laughed and I cried it was great Rostampur is the name of the village where my father's family home is and this is where I would spend a lot of time you know we would just stay here all of my cousins would be there they would come over when we were over because it was always going to be a big family thing and we were all young so we had a lot of free time to enjoy 
My father would be united with his brothers because most of them stayed in Bangladesh. They were my uncles and I'd meet my aunts and get along with everyone. I was a very quiet kid so I tended to be shy. I kind of stayed away from everyone and just spent most of my time with my cousins. Rustampur is a village you see so it's very tight-knit as most villages are you know. There's a very strong sense of community and it's not more apparent then whenever I go out with my father in the village, he would walk by pretty much anyone who recognised him say hello. And he, he does this everywhere, but it's in that village where, you know, clearly he knows everyone. Family, friends, actual friends, people he used to know when he was a child. He would see them, he would say hello, they'd have a conversation. What would be a, you know, usually a five minute walk somewhere would become half an hour as he would liaise with everyone from his childhood. And I get to know them. It's such a pretty place as well. It's really nestled between forests and highways, you see, because of the way Bangladesh is built. As a developing nation, you have this amazing contrast between massive metropolis cities that sprawl outwards and are being built up at all times and smaller villages kind of dot and circle around them next to bigger towns sometimes or markets. And those villages are built within forests and the main way of sustenance for most of the people is farming so you have these beautiful rice paddies and rice paddies are one of the most defining scenic parts of Bangladesh expanses of you know fields that utilize aquaponics part of the year they're flooded and you can see fish swimming amongst the rice shoots and part of the year they're dry and that's when things are harvested and replanted because of the way it's laid out you know you can have vast expanses of flatness and it really makes the horizon pop because in the distance you'll have this fine line of treetops and then above that the sky is so much more beautiful in Bangladesh than here I feel like I feel like when you're in a developed country that is you know mostly city you tend to forget about the sky because the sky becomes blocked by horizons of skyscrapers and residential buildings but when you're in the middle of nowhere there isn't any skyscrapers, there isn't residential buildings, it's just jungle forest and the other hut. There is no light pollution. So in daytime it's defined by beautiful blues. At sunset, the sun glows almost red. In a very pleasant way. It's very it lets you know that it's there, that it's going to sleep. And you spend time looking up at the sunset. In the distance you see these towering clouds, storm clouds that will roll in during the monsoon season because at night time things get cooler, that's when rain can start falling again and the sky just lit up in this beautiful shades of orange, red, yellows it contrasts against distant blues, darker blues in between the two you have purples and in the distance you can see those storm clouds towering for miles into the sky they're lit up, they're beautiful grey by the lightning flashes it's something else entirely. Around those villages, I'll spend most of my time just messing about with my cousins. You see, we live on a ranch, so there's animals. And although I was a skittish child, you know, I still loved spending time with those animals. There would be chickens that I would play with, feed. I'd be allowed to feed them by my uncles. He would show me how to approach them, and every morning we'd go into the chicken coop and... I'd grab some eggs and I'd have those eggs, delicious eggs, you know, they're fresh from chickens, they're going to be tasty. 
we would have these many little lakes or fishery ponds around the property as well. So if we weren't fishing, we were diving into it and swimming around. In hindsight, probably not the best idea considering leeches are a very real problem. But hey, when you're in Bangladesh, you're not really thinking about leeches, you're thinking about having fun. Those lakes are actually very special to me because every time I've been, it's always been my highlight, just jumping in with my cousins, mucking about, splashing one another. There used to be this tyre that uh, my uncle would give me. It would be a massive tyre that he would inflate and I would use it as like a little dinghy thing before I could learn how to swim. And my cousins would push me around in there and once I remember, they pushed me into the middle of the lake and I lost my shit. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to drown. And in reality, it really wasn't that deep at all. I could have swum back. But little me was freaking out. And then one of my uncles jumped in and, you know, dragged me back laughing the entire time. And everything was fun and dandy. It's little memories like that that really define your time there. I remember coming to the chicken coop. You know, there was a chicken coop that had our chickens. And then there was a chicken coop of our neighbor. And there were chicken breeders. So they would bring in hundreds of baby chicks every year. And there'll just be this room full of baby chickens feeding, socializing. And you could go in, pick one up and just pet it. And I'll just sometimes go there for an hour or two, just chilling around with them. And to be honest, it did smell quite bad because, you know, a lot of chickens, a lot of chicken poop. Chicken poop, if you don't know, can be quite smelly. But, you know, I got to spend time with baby chickens. To me, that was a win. The other place that really defined my time in Bangladesh and just my childhood would be a place called Bishwanath. And Bishwanath is um, it's part of the main city of Silet. It's kind of like an offshoot of the city itself, like a satellite town. And to get there, we would go down the highways in this very haphazard little vehicle called a tuk-tuk or a CNG. Depends on your regional dialect. And a CNG is essentially... A vehicle that is kind of like a motorcycle if you strapped a roof onto the motorcycle and then added seats on the back. It is very haphazard, but it's also an efficient way to get around. It runs off natural gas. It probably blows up. They're definitely quite dangerous, but they're so fun. You know, there's nothing like feeling just the air moving past your face, making your hair go crazy as you barrel down some dodgy highway at 70 miles per hour. Abishnath, those cities, this is where my mom's family home was. This is where she grew up. And it was an entirely different experience to the village, but also in a very good way. Because, again, the nature of Bangladesh is that it's a developing nation. You have these very, very sprawling, you know, metropolis areas with lots of buildings, shops, residential homes, skyscrapers and whatnot. But nothing's like you know, particularly fabricated, it doesn't look like, say, London or another city where everything has this specific vibe to it because there aren't the same restrictions on what you can build. So you will have these very modern-looking buildings in one part of the city and then literally a block down you'll see this ancient mosque from the Mughal era that is just beautiful and the contrast is amazing. In the city, you'll also have just everything will be lined with trees and plants because again a lush nation means you will have lush flora everywhere even in the metropolis areas so my mum's home in Bishnats would be in the city and i remember again being a child 
even today actually i would go there and there would always be spiders all right spiders are something you just got to accept in bangladesh i have trouble accepting them i think they're terrifying because these ones are like they're not like english spiders english spiders are small they're kind of cute they're kind of friendly you know sure eight legs still freaky but then once in bangladesh all right they are the size of my my hand my entire hand which is a pretty significant span you know and they're fast much faster than anything i'm used to so you spot this massive spider you lick away for a second next thing boom it's gone then you're freaking out you're on the bed you know your feet are not on the floor because like what if the spider's there but then you kind of remember that these spiders are pretty much harmless you know they're not going to do anything to you again in the city everyone has this very specific way of life in the village everyone is very sociable and that's no different in the city you know everybody in your neighborhood my mum still remembers everyone in the neighborhood even when people move out you still know where they go you keep touch you keep in touch and you go to visit people all the time you get invited to go eat out at people's houses you know a big family dinner party it's what we call a dawat and you'll have wonderful rice you know full up which is basically just slightly spiced aromatic rice or biryani which is you know biryani you'll have it with roast chicken but like curried roast chicken not like english roast it's a it's a type of curry a big part of bangladesh is the seafood there is seafood everywhere because it's plentiful and it's delicious i love fish i have weeks at a time even here where i only eat fish because i don't even think about what i'm eating it's just what's available i love fish my grandfather on my mum's side my nana would take me around the city he would take me onto these little bicycles rickshaw and you would sit on the back and someone would cycle you to wherever your destination was kind of like a taxi but i guess zero carbon emissions it's very nice it's a very nice experience because it's a very gentle ride it's not that same haphazard level of the cng where you're barreling down a highway these are much more specific in where they can go because you're in the city itself you can kind of weave in and out of different streets and as a child i thought that was the coolest thing you know i was just excited to go on those things with my grandfather and he would take me to people's houses that he knew he would take me to the mosque and i would meet the imams we would pray together we would go to his little shop and he opened the shop after decades of work you know he grew up very poor he came to the uk for a job made some money went back and opened that construction business where he would sell pretty much the parts to build houses and in an industrial society where everything's developing very fast that is a very successful business everyone's always going to want to buy your concrete and your rebar steel and i didn't really understand it at the time but you know my grandfather was a massive community led member he oversaw the construction of mosques mosques and houses in the area he became a massive community figurehead I wish I appreciated that much more as a child but obviously I was a child I couldn't recognize that for what it was because over the years my grandfather would lose his battle to dementia you know it's very distressing to see someone who you knew so strongly as a child essentially forget who they were and who you were occasionally they would have those moments of lucidity where you would visit them and they would recognize you and then they would mumble something incoherent and they'd be back in that spiral of just despair dementia is a very scary thing going back every two years since childhood i watched him go from this 
very gently spoken, lively man to someone who was forgetful and then someone who was unable to do things on his own to the point where it was someone who was hospitalised because that was the only place he was safe. His own health issues would catch up with him too. Thankfully, he would pass in his sleep very peacefully one day. While I was in Bangladesh, I had the blessing for that, alhamdulillah. I remember getting the phone call from my cousin. He told me that my nana had passed away and I didn't feel immediately sad. I felt more panicked for my mum because, you know, of course I am. It's my mum's dad. She's going to be the one that's going to be really upset. And I stood on the street waiting to get picked up so that we could go to the house where the body was going to come. Islamic funerals happened very fast, pretty much on the same day. So on that day, we went to a house. I saw my grandfather's body for the last time. Then we went to the village where he grew up, as is tradition. And I watched his body get lowered into a grave. And all of us, you know, the entire village, we would take turns picking up a clump of dirt and throwing it over the grave to essentially take part in burying him whole. It was a very bittersweet memory, and it's not exactly a particularly old memory either. This was in 2019. Summer of 2019 was a bit of a special year to me. And that night of the burial, we all kind of sat in recollection, talked about childhood. Everyone's childhood, you know, my mom's childhood, my grandmother's childhood. A lot of retrospection and thought of the past. It was a celebration of his life, you know. Celebration of the man he was rather than the man he died as. I thought it was quite beautiful. That's something more, you know, modern day though. Over the years, going back and back to Bangladesh, I watched this nation grow up as I did myself grow up. You know, Bangladesh is a very young nation. It was established in 1971 after colonial legacy. So it was also a very fast developing nation. And that meant that when I first went as a child, you know, they didn't have internet. And then they did have internet. And then they had data signals. And the 4G in Bangladesh is incredible, you know. I watched that nation go from being rather behind in things to the point where I can get better internet connection in the middle of a jungle than I can in my home in Colchester, United Kingdom, which I always find very funny to think about. It's fascinating I have this mix of technology and tradition, you know, people zipping about on motorbikes on these really shoddy dirt roads from village to village, street to street, but they'll have a very advanced phone in the pocket using very reliable data signals and they'll, it's just it's fascinating seeing how the country's grown up with you. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. The roads, the main roads, went from being dirt to gravel to tarmac. And even the vehicles kind of grew up with you. When I went, as a child, the CNGs, those little haphazard motorbikes, were really shoddily built. You know, they looked like there was something out of the 60s. Nowadays, they have this really weird advanced look to them. Like the way London buses have changed from looking kind of Hogwartsy to really sleek and modern. But on a CNG which is something that zips in and out of the jungle, I find that really cool. It's wonderful to see how a nation changes over time. 
being part of the Bengali diaspora, you know, I find it very important to stay in touch with your nation's cultural history, your own cultural history. It is a defining point for so many of us, something that we hold so close to our hearts. The opening of this episode was me saying the lyrics to the Bengali anthem, Amrashuna Bangla, which means my golden Bengal. And what makes it stick out from other anthems, in my opinion, because I, I like listening to other people's anthems, I find them interesting, is that this anthem is written as essentially a love letter towards Bangladesh. It was written by a poet, a Bengali poet. So that makes sense. I find it beautiful. There is no mention of war. There is no mention of struggles for independence, revolution, just acceptance and love and tenderness and affection and joy and pride in a nation that has struggled for centuries and finally begun to blossom yet again. A nation defined by mango trees and tea leaves and sprawling rivers, the Ganges, the Surma, deltas and basins where mangrove trees flourish, the Bengal tiger. Bangladesh is not just a country but a concept, you know. It's a place of hope, a place of growth and lush forests. It's something that I will never allow myself to lose. I will never allow to be washed out from my life. It is precious, it's golden. Shuna, as we call it in Bengali. <laughs>